Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, first up from landlords.co.nz on the 22nd of November, regulation for property managers and meth tests. Second topic, also from landlords.co.nz on the 21st of November, traction on plans to fix the rental crisis. Third topic, One Roof, 22nd of November, the $1 million pain club, homeowners starting to sell at a loss. Topic number four, the mortgage mag, 23rd of November, biggest OCR rise ever. Here's what the governor said. And fifth topic, last but not least, News Hub on the 23rd of November, no evictions of unruly tenants by Kayanga Ora after receiving more than 6,000 complaints. So let's rip into it. We'll start off with topic number one, landlords.co.nz, 22nd of November, regulation for property managers and meth tests. The Healthy Home Standards deadline for private landlords has been extended from July 2024 to July 2025. Kayanga Ora's compliance deadline will also be pushed out. Housing Minister Megan Woods explained that pushing out the deadline will be beneficial for landlords as they're genuinely trying to comply with their obligations and are at risk of breaching them because of factors outside of their control. The change means private landlords have one more year to comply and the time frame for compliance for a new or renewed tenancy shifts from 90 days to 120 days. Among the reasons for the extension of the healthy homes also include supply chain disruptions and manpower shortages. One of the products in short supply have been heat pumps for private landlords and Kayanga Ora. They have been and continue to be difficult to source and install within the existing 90-day window. Woods also announced a series of changes to the rental sector with emphasis on the regulation of property managers and the treatment of houses contaminated with methamphetamine. The government aims to introduce a bill to Parliament by the middle of next year. With the new regulations, property managers and management companies will need to comply with mandatory registration and licence, a fit and proper test, a training course before entering the job, continuing professional development, practice standards and a complaints and disciplinary process. Property managers who get complaints from tenants or landlords can be fined up to $40,000 under the proposal. Organisations can be fined up to $100,000. There are around 600,000 households that rent and 40% of rentals are operated by unregulated property managers. According to Woods, in a tight rental market, tenants are vulnerable to poor behaviour from residential property managers, which is why they should have conduct and competency standards similar to other professionals like lawyers, builders, real estate agents and financial advisors. Woods said that the new legislation aligns with the 2020 Labour Party manifesto to regulate residential property managers. With regards to methamphetamine contaminated houses, the government has created a science-based proposal that tackles screening, testing and decontamination with clear obligations for landlords. Woods argues that under national, hundreds of tenants were evicted from their state houses through pseudoscience and the government is cleaning up the mess. In the new proposal, the maximum acceptable level of surface methamphetamine residue is set to be 15 micrograms per 100 square centimetres. This is also the level which a property needs to be decontaminated back to or below. 
Setting the guideline for the level of methamphetamine residue requiring decontamination provides certainty to the sector, Wood said. Once the regulations will be imposed, landlords will not be permitted to rent out a contaminated property without decontamination in accordance with the rules. Anyone who violates this will be fined up to $4,000. So for my personal thoughts on this particular article, the healthy home standards deadline being extended, the majority of private landlords have already complied with the healthy home standards. So there'll be a few landlords that will reap the benefit of that. The majority of landlords have been scrambling to meet the deadline that was imposed on them. So, you know, for a lot of landlords, um, this is a little bit of a kick in the teeth because Kayanga have Kayanga Aura have essentially been given an extension to bring their rental properties up to scratch, even though when we look at the industry as a whole, the number of private landlords who've had to comply has been significantly higher than the number of state-owned houses who need to comply. So most of the private landlords have done it, uh, done it already, and Kayanga Aura is well behind schedule. So yeah, there's that. My next thought is with regards to the property manager regulations. Look, just about every good property manager that we've spoken to has been asking for this. They've been calling for regulation. So I think this is going to get rid of some of the rogue property managers and will hopefully bring the industry back into, you know, repute as opposed to disrepute. So I think that's going to be a good thing. And will certainly give people a bit more confidence when dealing with a property manager. Last but not least, with the methamphetamine, you know, the methamphetamine acceptable level of surface residue set to be 15 micrograms per 100 square centimetres. I think it's about time they sorted this out because there has been quite a bit of confusion in the industry. You know, the the level of standards that were acceptable for insurance was a lot lower than it is for uh, for you know the tenancy tribunal, for example. So lords have been caught in a in a really confusing period where a property could be tested and need to be decontaminated it because their insurance policy required it, but they couldn't get any compensation from the tenancy tribunal because it wasn't high enough. So I think having the standards brought into alignment is going to be good for the industry. The difficulty could be when uh, when there's consecutive tenants and in between tenancies, if the methamphetamine levels are increasing slowly, the poor last tenant, well, nothing poor about them if they've increased the contamination, but you know what I mean? It's like if one tenancy, the level's at 10, and then the next tenancy the level gets above 15 micrograms then it's that last tenant that's going to be the brunt of the tenancy tribunal ruling and obviously the higher the contamination sometimes the more expensive it is to decontaminate so yeah but it will be nice to have everything in alignment at least Okay, second topic for this week in review from landlords.co.nz on the 21st of November, traction on plans to fix the rental crisis. The New Zealand Property Investors Federation sent several proposals early this year, which included the return of mortgage interest costs as tax-deductible expense, a long-term tenancy option, the shortening of the Brightline test to two years, the rights of landlords to issue 90-day notices to unruly tenants and the reform of the Tenancy Tribunal. 
NZPIF Vice President Peter Lewis said that he was surprised with the reaction of the political parties to the proposals. Labour has not responded. Actors in favour, no surprises there. Nationals receptive but made no comment. Greens Auckland Central MP Chloe Swarbrick was willing to consider it. Lewis said that the recent 65-page government paper on rentals was too focused on Kaianga Ora and not once were private landlords mentioned. According to him, this showed that the government was indifferent to private landlords. Human Rights Commissioner Paul Hunt acknowledged that tenants were moving homes less often in the past two years, but for the Federation, there's still not enough stability for renters. For this reason, the NZPIF is proposing to add a long-term tenancy option in addition to the existing periodic and fixed-term tenancy agreements under the Residential Tenancies Act. With the new option, a landlord would agree not to sell their rental, or if they decide to sell, the tenant could remain in the property. So in other words, they'd only be able to sell to other investors. Tenants could still end the tenancy if they need to, could decorate the interior to their taste, and be allowed to keep pets. In return, owners would be compensated for the higher risks and for giving up some of their rights. For example, in Germany, tenants have to provide up to a 12-week bond for a new tenancy and have to give 12 weeks notice. For the new option, the Federation says tenants should pay for property outgoings, such as council rates and insurance premiums. Lewis said that the overall plan is based on five core principles. Number one, providing stable and better homes. Number two, lower costs to enable lower rents. Number three, more rental properties to meet the existing and future demand. Fourth, providing improved access to justice for both tenants and landlords. And fifth, creating closer communities. The majority of NZPIF members invest in rental properties for the long term and prefer stable long-term tenants. Lewis added that landlords know the value of a good tenant, so they don't remove tenants just because they can. Any vacancy is a loss in income that can never be recovered. He said that the government's decision to remove the ability to issue a 90-day termination notice with no stated reason has only made it harder to remove antisocial tenants that cause problems for neighbours and communities. Lewis hopes that the NZPIF's suggestions will create a more flexible rental system that caters to the diverse needs of various tenant groups. And I think this could be a real win-win scenario for both landlords and tenants, you know, especially if the government agrees to give interest deductibility for landlords who are extending, you know, extending the tenancy agreements for long-term tenancies. Just the same as the government has given an exception for the rule for large corporates who provide long-term tenancy agreements. So this is just extending that privilege to the private landlords in New Zealand. If you want to learn more about investing in property, join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you reach your financial goals, you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website also. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Third topic this week is One Roof on the 22nd of November, the $1 million pain club, homeowners starting to sell at a loss. Real estate agents who spoke to One Roof say that they're seeing investors and home buyers in both Hamilton and South Auckland who have or are about to sell their homes for less than what they paid for them, 
between six and 12 months earlier. In the three months ending September 2022, just over 3% of property resales made a loss, and the median loss was $40,000. This figure is expected to grow in the coming months. Harcourt's Hamilton salesperson Craig Annandale said that some of those who bought properties early this year or last year are having to sell for about 10% less than what they paid for them. One property in St Andrews in Hamilton is priced $100,000 less than what the owners bought it for at the start of this year. Annandale said that it all boils down to serviceability. Those who bought at the peak of the property market are needing to refix their mortgages at higher interest rates, and those who can't afford higher payments may be looking to sell. The drop in price is also affecting other areas. South Auckland property owners and Ray White Monaco co-owner Tom Rawson said that there's a small number of people selling at a loss because they can't afford to pay their mortgages. Some owners also have the perception that things might be worse in the coming year and are wanting to get out while they can. Rawson knows of one investor who's considered selling after his repayments doubled when he refixed his mortgages and his rental income couldn't keep up. The main issue for investors is that they're hit with both higher interest rates and the new tax deductibility rules that stop them from claiming interest on the mortgage as an expense. For first homeowners, the challenge for them is repaying their mortgage so they can avoid losing their equity and essentially their home. CoreLogic, New Zealand Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson, anticipates an increase in the percentage of properties sold at a loss in the next quarter. Although Davidson thinks that changes in personal situations will be the main reason for people selling at a loss, rising interest rates and falling house prices will put pressure on people's finances in the coming months. However, one positive outcome, according to him, is that prospective buyers might still be able to grab a bargain. Infometrics chief forecaster Gareth Kennan says that owners who have held on to their properties for some time will likely absorb higher interest rates, but there will be a small population of people who will be heavily affected. This group will be a combination of first-home buyers and investors who are dependent on cash flow from their property to help service their mortgage. Kenan says that banks will often help their customers keep their homes rather than put them into a position where they're forced to sell and especially for potentially less than what they paid for. Velocity Head Evaluations, James Wilson, said that there have been cases of properties being sold for a smaller profit as some people try to meet the market and avoid any future interest rate rises, but it's still extremely rare for properties to be sold at a loss. So my advice, and this is just general financial advice, obviously not individual financial advice because I'm not speaking to you as an individual client, uh, but my general advice would be get in touch with your mortgage advisor as soon as possible if you're finding it difficult to pay your mortgage. Don't leave it until you've missed mortgage payments. The sooner you get help, the better. So get in touch with your mortgage advisor and see if there's something that can be done to help with the pain of increasing interest rates, there are generally always some options available to you that can make things easier for the next little while while we've got interest rate increases. If you haven't got a good mortgage advisor, feel free to get in touch with the team at my team. That's miteam.co.nz and they'll be more than happy to help you. So disclosure, uh, I am a part owner of my team and uh, yeah, so fully disclose that for you, but they are great at what they do. So 
team of good mortgage advisors there ready and rearing to help if you haven't already got a good mortgage advisor. Fourth topic for this week in review, the Mortgage Mag, 23rd of November, biggest OCR rise ever. Here's what the governor said. Here's the reason that the Reserve Bank decided to push the OCR up by 75 basis points. The committee agreed to increase the OCR sooner than previously expected to make sure that inflation returns to within its target rate over the medium term. At the moment, inflation's too high. Employment's beyond its maximum sustainable level and expectations for near-term inflation have risen. The high cost of food and fuel in combination with persistent core inflation are affecting many countries. This is why central banks have tightened monetary conditions to curb spending and reduce inflation pressure. The slowdown in global trade activity will have an impact on New Zealand, especially within its financial channels and people's confidence in the economy. Despite the rise in debt servicing costs, falling house prices and lower levels of consumer confidence, household spending remains resilient. High employment levels and income growth support spending. The recovery in tourism activities also supporting domestic demand. Some of the major challenges the economy faces are in the area of labour supply and demand outstripping New Zealand's capacity to provide the goods and services. The committee members agreed to a further tightening of the OCR to bring inflation down to its 1% to 3% per annum target range. So, you know, we are expecting a bit more pain before things start to improve. Essentially, the Reserve Bank admitted that, you know, that they are deliberately pushing us into a technical recession. The only way to get out of this is for people to tighten their belts and cut back on spending. So just be careful. You know, obviously it's difficult to cut back your spending too much just coming into Christmas, but the sooner we all tighten our belts, the better it is going to be and the sooner we'll be able to come out of this inflationary period. And then when we enter into the recession and the Reserve Bank needs to stimulate the economy again, that's when we're going to start seeing the OCR decrease again. So it doesn't mean that just because we're going to be going into a likely that we're going to be going into a recession in the middle of next year, it doesn't mean that there's going to be blood in the water. We do have high levels of employment and low levels of unemployment, but there's also an awful lot of people that are looking for workers. So if you're made redundant, there's a good chance that you're going to not have any major issues finding a new job as long as you're not too fussy about what sort of work you're looking for. So if you're willing to do whatever it takes to continue to pay your mortgage, then I'm not expecting to see high numbers of mortgagee sales. This is a technical recession that we're heading towards, which is essentially two quarters where we're in negative growth in the economy. So not the end of the world, still worthy of being a little bit anxious around this you know so don't get me wrong but it's also the reserve bank's job to use their wording to temper the environment so they need to put out a bit of fear out there so that people cut back on their spending so that we can get inflation back down into that one to three percent target range last topic for this week from news hub on the 23rd of november no evictions of unruly tenants by Kayanga Ora after receiving more than 6,000 complaints. I mean, seriously, where do I start? 
Let me just read through the article first for you. So in February, Kayanga Ora was given the go signal to deal with disruptive tenants using measures including a three strikes complaint scheme under the Residential Tenancies Act. The agencies received 6,500 complaints about antisocial tenants since then, ranging from minor noise issues to threats of violence. In response, 21 houses were issued first strike warnings, seven houses progressing to a second strike, and just one with a final warning. Kayanga Ora Customer and Practice Director Shannon Gatfield said no one should have to put up with disruptive neighbours and the three-strike system was effective. <laughs> Which is a little ironic, considering that not a single person has been evicted despite a number of complaints. She mentioned that two-thirds of those who received a first notice have not gone on to receive a second. Four disruptive households have been moved to another Kayanga Ora property using another section of the Residential Tenancies Act. So in my opinion, that's just shifting the problem. It's not going to miraculously cure that problem, tenant, is it? The remainder of those who moved have done so after discussing with the housing managers without recourse to the Act. More than 50 households were trying to get away from bad neighbours. Gatfield said that there's a downward trend in the number of complaints and of households needing to move. However, neighbours of unruly Kayanga Ora tenants who spoke with RNZ remain sceptical. In one case, a Nelson Kayanga Ora tenant and her children have been threatened by their neighbours who are also Kayanga Ora tenants. Despite requesting help from her housing manager, she said she hasn't noticed any difference in Kayanga Ora's approach. The woman was open to transferring to another place if it was offered to her. In another instance, a private property owner in Whangarei who's endured loud parties at his Kayanga Ora neighbour's residence did not notice any positive change in behaviour when he complained this year. He said that complainings only seemed to aggravate the problem. Kayanga Ora's Shannon Gatfield said it was the landlord of last resort for about 200,000 New Zealanders, half of them children. According to her, removing tenants is a long process and is used only as a last resort. Here are the numbers as provided by Kayanga Ora. 200,000 New Zealanders are tenants of Kayanga Ora. From February 1st, 2022 to October 31st, 2022, 6,449 complaints were received about Kayanga Ora neighbours. This included duplicate entries, withdrawn complaints and those without merit. 84% of complaints in the last 12 months were of minor issues. 90% of relocated tenants had no further complaints. Of the remaining 10%, the number of complaints dropped significantly by about 70%. So that's great. 113 Kayanga Ora households relocated by agreement since February, about half of which were its tenants getting away from unruly Kayanga Ora neighbours. No applications were made to the Tenancy Tribunal to end a tenancy under Section 55A of the Residential Tenancies Act. My personal opinion on this is that getting a state house is a privilege, not a right. And I, I think that, you know, there should be some severe implications for people who continually cause problems for their neighbours. The three strikes rule is a move in the right direction. At least it, it gives the, the tenants accountability that they need to be accountable for their actions. And if they don't pull their socks up and stop being such a menace to their neighbours, then either their neighbours are getting moved, which doesn't 
fix the problem to start with or they are getting moved to an area which is perhaps a bit more appropriate for them. Uh, I think if, if a tenant continually has complaints made against them even after they've been moved, then they should be given a final warning that if there's any more complaints, they lose the privilege of having a state house. You know, and I think it's not until the government starts holding these problematic tenants to task that that problem's actually going to get taken seriously by some of these tenants. That's my personal opinion, but you know, some of you might think that's a bit harsh. I think it's fair. <laughs> the majority of New Zealanders are perfectly reasonable and one makes mistakes. So, you know, it's the, the ones that make a change to improve their position and improve their situation and the way that they interact with their neighbours. They're the ones that deserve private rental property or deserve to continue to get that privilege of a government-provided property that all the taxpayers are paying for at the end of the day. If you'd like to learn more about property investment or if you want to hear any more of my personal opinions, feel free to join me at one of our regular free training sessions available either online or in person. They're live training sessions and there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'll answer as many of them as possible. You might not agree with everything I say, but you know, that's allowed as well. Register online at propertyapprentice.co.nz. And if you'd like to have a no obligation to chat with my husband, Paul, to see how we can help you to improve your financial position, you can also book a meeting or phone call with him via our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. See you next week.